Hello, I'm Maggie Rose, and these are Tales from Here Beyond. This is a fantasy podcast of stories which will take you far away to other worlds, to help you sleep, to help you relax, or just to leave this world for a short while. These are episodes that can be listened to in any order at any time, or you can listen to them in order and let the stories and the mysteries of the world unravel as you go. This series is called The Moonless World, in a land of mountains and moors and mysterious lakes, in a time before the stars where the only light was the moon and her gentle glow, and how one day she suddenly disappears and leaves the world in darkness and fear. So settle in, get comfortable, and come with me on a tale from here beyond. The Charlatan and the Boy Once there was a time which was littered with reminders of a previous world. Great crumbling towers with nothing inside. Lines and lines of walls across barren lands, abandoned cottages grassing over. It was said that there had once been a great silver goddess who lived in the sky and that she had provided a great light which spread across the world so that the creatures and monsters of the night, as they called it, would be kept in check. It was said that she led the ghosts to their rightful places, beyond the veil and not left to cluster and remain for hundreds of years, waiting at the edges of lakes. During this time, a ghostly boy appeared in the world. He had not died, he was not a ghost, but he had simply taken shape one day. The ghostly boy was alone and scared, for the world was vast and dark. He would look to the sky to find his mother, But she was not there. He did not know why he expected her in the sky, for he had never known her to be there before. But he had listened to villagers and fisher folk who all spoke of the moon who should be there. He had never known his mother at all, in fact. He spent years and years travelling and seeing the terrors that the moonless world struggled to overcome, and he decided to try and fix the world. He saw what not having a moon meant to people, and he did his best to change things. But he found that his help was not helpful in many cases, and he knew that the only way to restore the world was for the moon to return to her night sky. During this time there also lived a travelling man who was poor and hungry. He had left his home and his wife and his children and he had wandered the world and he knew that the people of this time were tired of believing that the great goddess may one day return. The travelling man knew that the people had lost something that was once called hope. In his travels, the man came to a village where a holy woman had come to talk to the people. She spoke of faith and hope, but when the travelling man looked around him, He saw none of the fervent yearning that the holy woman had clearly expected. The desperation of the people was so strong, he could almost taste it in the air around him. They were sick with contempt for this woman and her pious words of optimism and belonging. So the travelling man took to the small ramshackle stage that the holy woman stood upon, and he said, "'This woman stands here a liar!' 
There were shocked gasps from the people in the village. The fires in their torch cages rattled with the wind, or perhaps it was that the air itself was shocked too. A murmur began amongst them, and a ripple of excitement ran through the crowd as they asked themselves who this man was. "'What do you mean, sir?' asked the holy woman in response to the travelling man's statement. The travelling man assessed her. Then he looked to the crowd. The people's faces had changed from the dull and quiet resignation to shining with restless delight. "'This moon you speak of,' he said. "'This moon never existed.' And she will never come back, for how can something which never existed appear? You are a fool. The holy woman was affronted. She looked to the people to support her, but to the travelling man's delight, the people did not seem to want to do so. They merely looked entertained by the show. They waited for her response, but she did not seem to have any, for who had ever questioned the existence of the moon before? She will return, said the holy woman eventually. She will. And then the holy woman shakily stepped down and left the village marketplace. Some straggling crowd members followed her, but the majority stayed in place, waiting for the travelling man to say more. Someone in the crowd shouted at him, So what if there was no moon? The travelling man grinned. So now you accept it. Now you know in your mind you are awake. More awake than any of these fools who have been dreaming since the beginning of time. Another person in the crowd shouted, But what of the night creatures, the beasts and the ghosts and so forth? How do we stop them? The travelling man spread his arms wide, as we always have done, with fire and torches, and when it comes to it, we move our villages. The beasts are not a corruption, they are simply a part of our world. As for the ghosts, they will find their ways home eventually, but it is nothing to do with us. We must simply leave them be. A tremulous voice from the back of the crowd cried out, There will be no silver age when she returns. We will live like this forever. The travelling man nodded sagely. Yes, my dear fellow, he said. And now that you have accepted it, you can relish in knowing that you are right. The crowd muttered. From his vantage point, the man could see that many were furrowing their brows and shaking their heads in disbelief. But there were also some who had smug edges to their smiles, who talked a little more animatedly. These people, he thought, they so easily believed him. He wondered what else he could do with their belief. If you wish to know more, said the travelling man, then invite me to your house to sup. I have many stories to tell of the world, and they will open your eyes to the truths of it. Though the majority of the crowd stepped back at the idea of sharing what little they had, still unsure and unconvinced, an eager group of people clamoured to invite the man to their houses for food and drink. He chose the richest looking amongst them. Her house was lavishly decorated with intricately inlaid metals and glass. She had candles bracketing the walls of all her rooms. The table she spread was hot, and there was pork belly and cranberry wine. The travelling man had never eaten such a meal. He consumed it with relish and then sat back to answer questions from her and her friends. They asked him how he knew of the moon's non-existence. He found he did not have to reach too deeply inside of himself to tell her a lie. I met an order of wise men who took me to a deep cave system where we travelled for many weeks. Eventually we came to a great shrine to the so-called moon. 
There we discovered ancient inscriptions detailing the deception. The moon was invented hundreds of years ago to make fools of us, to give false hope that one day things may get better. It is not true, though, and those of us who know it to be untrue are better off, for we will not spend our entire lives waiting for something which will not happen. The people at the table on nodded vigorously. The travelling man said, I must leave to spread the news further afield. Will you aid my troubles? The people at the table nodded more vigorously, and the man was plied with foods and drinks and a new coat and boots. He was given a hat with a feather in it. The man knew this was to be his calling now. He knew he would no longer be cold or hungry ever again. The people called him the wise man, but he secretly gave himself a new title. He called himself the charlatan. The charlatan travelled, but now he always had coin in his pocket and a table to sup at. The people of this world were desperate for something to give their lives meaning, to make them feel as though they were not simply waiting for a moon who may not even appear in their lifetimes. He always found an enraptured audience, no matter how small. Not everybody wanted to hear his tales, of course. Some looked to him with suspicion and unease, and some outrightly turned him away. But there was at least a handful of people. Some even followed to listen to hear him talk in other places, like a retinue. He saw faces appear multiple times during his talks, especially as he made his way to the towns and cities. This did not concern him usually, but one face began to stick out from the crowd. One familiar face seemed to be appearing wherever he went, no matter where he spoke. A boy, a pale, almost ghostly boy. There was something familiar about him, as though the charlatan knew him or knew of him, but he could not decipher why he felt that way. There was something otherworldly about the boy, and the charlatan was not sure if it was his imagination, but he was certain that the boy would occasionally shimmer or flicker out of existence. He was everywhere the charlatan went. He haunted him. The charlatan was talking in a town's marketplace when he saw the face again. His speech was an art form now. He could convince many, and they would go out and convince others by repeating his words and phrases. He told them his carefully rehearsed words. To believe in the moon is ignorance. As he looked out to the crowd, he saw that face. The ghostly boy's face. The boy stared impassively at the charlatan, hovering at the edge of the crowd. Perhaps it was shadows dancing across the great torches in the marketplace, or his own blinking, but it seemed to him that the boy was surely not wholly of this world. He was certain now, though, that the boy was following him, and he scared the charlatan. The charlatan decided that he would not stay in the town after his talk. Instead, he would leave immediately. He would travel further and faster along the forest road and hope that the boy would no longer follow him. So the charlatan did just that. He walked faster than he had ever walked before until his feet were too tired to walk any further. He unpacked his satchel which was full of woolen blankets, dried meats and a thick tarp. He made a small camp to rest at and he felt comfortable that the strange boy would finally leave him be. He lit a fire to keep the creatures at bay and he sat, tired but too restless for sleep. It was only a few moments before it happened. From the gloom beyond the fire the boy appeared. 
Up close, his face was even more pale and ghostly. The charlatan trembled. He tried to open his mouth to speak, and eventually the words tumbled out. What do you want from me? he asked. The boy stared at him, unreadable as ever. Then the boy stepped closer, until he was an arm's length away. His visage flickered uneasily, and the charlatan could see now it was not his imagination. The boy truly was not part of this world. He looked as though his being was halfway between one and the other. His existence looked uncomfortable. Why do you say the moon never existed? asked the boy. Why do you lie? The charlatan gaped, his mouth open. He stuttered, I... I but his words ran out. The boy continued, I know you do not believe the words you say. I know you believe yourself to be a charlatan. The charlatan was stunned. How do you know such things, ghost? he asked. The boy shook his head. He seemed cross. I am no ghost, he said. Boy, then, how do you know such things, boy? asked the charlatan again. The boy sat next to the charlatan and looked into the fire. The charlatan tensed every muscle in his body. I know many things, said the boy. He reached out to the fire and a finger of flame reached out to him, but it did not burn. I know what you left behind before you became this charlatan and before you were even a traveller. The charlatan felt a hot flash of anger overtake his knees at the boy. Do not speak of it, he hissed. The boy shrugged. If you wish, he said. The charlatan felt the icy sting of fear melt his anger. If you know such things, what are you intending to do with me? The boy looked at him and laughed. It was a high, clear laugh. Nothing, charlatan, he said. What could I possibly do to you? The boy shimmered as though he had been pulled away from the world for a moment, though he still looked at the charlatan with his wide, young eyes. Then he turned away and focused on the fire. Very well, said the charlatan. He was still afraid, but though there was something not quite right about the boy, he was still just a boy. So the charlatan was quiet. They stayed in silence for a while, and eventually he found himself drifting to sleep. When the charlatan awoke, the boy was gone, so he packed up his things and left on the trail again to the next village with food and coin to gift him. He was relieved to see that when he did his talk, there was no small, ghostly face in his periphery this time. Perhaps the boy had simply been a figment of his imagination. But when the charlatan set up his camp later on, he was dismayed to see the boy join him. You are back, he said to the boy. The boy just nodded. Well, fine, thought the charlatan. If you do not wish to talk, then I shan't either. They spent the time in an uncomfortable silence. As the weeks went on, and the boy appeared at the charlatan's camp most nights, disappearing when he awoke, and sometimes reappearing at his talks, the charlatan realised the boy was following him, but he did not know why. He tried asking one night. Why me? he said. The boy shrugged. You seem lost. Why? asked the charlatan. Why else would a man spin such lies to profit from the desperation of others, said the boy. The charlatan felt a sudden flash of anger. So what if I tell them untruths? So what if the moon really exists and will one day return? What use is that for us who live without her now? 
The boy looked at him plaintively. You're right. I doubt it makes much of a difference. He may even be providing the people a service. The boy looked at his ghostly hands. They shimmered unpleasantly. Then he looked straight at the charlatan. But I think it matters to you. Why don't you go home? The charlatan did not respond immediately. Then he said, why don't you, boy? Where is your home? I have no home, said the boy. Then he went quiet. The charlatan was relieved that the boy did not repeat his question. The charlatan did not like to think of home. He said instead to the boy, Do you eat? I have food. The boy smiled a little. I have never tried. So the charlatan offered him some crusty bread and toasted mushrooms to eat. The boy took the offering and smiled broadly. I can eat, it seems, he said. Then softly, he said again, I had never tried. The charlatan patted him on the shoulder uncomfortably. They spent the rest of the night in companionable silence until the charlatan fell asleep, and when he awoke again, to his surprise, the boy was still there. They spent more weeks on the road together, and the boy did not disappear any more. The charlatan shared his offerings with the boy, and the boy would eat, and they would teach each other about the forest and about the world. The charlatan could not remember the last time he had somebody to talk to like this, like a friend. One night, the boy was telling the charlatan of the ghosts that collected at the lakes. The boy told the charlatan that, without the moon's light to guide them, they had nowhere to go. The charlatan said, is that where you wish to be? The boy shook his head. I told you, I am no ghost. I am... I am not of this world, nor of any world. I do not belong here. I should not exist. The charlatan asked, so what would help you? What can I do? The boy looked shocked. Then he smiled. I do not know, he said. You've done what you can for me. The charlatan furrowed his brow. I want to help you find your home. Who are your parents? The boy said, My parents are not of this world, like me. I do not know that they know I exist. The charlatan shook his head. Well then, you must find them. You must find your home. The boy's smile turned sad. I told you, he said kindly. I have no home. But you do. The charlatan said, no. But the boy said, yes. The charlatan felt his chest tighten. Why did you leave them? They did not need me. The boy shook his head. Yes, they did, he said. They still do. The charlatan's voice reduced to a whisper. Nobody needs me. The boy looked at the charlatan kindly. I have needed you, he said, his voice soft. And you have taken me in and been kind to me, and that is all they need. The charlatan found that he was crying. You turned yourself into a false man because it was easier than trying to be your true self. The boy put a hand to the charlatan's shoulder. You do not need to be false anymore. The charlatan could not stop the tears which streamed down his face. But look, said the boy, look where you have led us. He pointed into the gloom, sending a strange, faint, silvery light across the clearing towards the settlement they were camped by. The charlatan recognised it. It was home. Go, said the boy. You must. The charlatan knew the boy was right. Thank you, he said to the boy. The boy smiled. 
but the smile was sad. Thank you, said the boy. Come with me. The boy shook his head. No, I can't. Then you must find your home, said the man who was once a charlatan, and he smiled warmly at the boy. Then the man turned towards the silvery light and he followed the path to his home. The boy smiled and said to himself, I will. Thank you for listening to this story from the Moonless World. I want to thank James at Big Dog Studios for editing the episode. And join me next week for another story in this series of Tales from Here Beyond. And if you have any friends, relatives or loved ones that you think would enjoy this podcast, please share it with them. I'm Maggie Rose and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tales with Maggie and on Patreon. See you next week in the Here Beyond.